you have your Bibles with you, you can open to the Gospel of Matthew, and we're going to look at the reading um, that Peter just shared with us, Matthew 1, starting in verse 18. Throughout this Advent season, we've been focusing on the person of Jesus Christ and what he brings with him as he comes, when he comes, and when he will come again. So I want to think about uh, those questions in this passage as well. What we see in Matthew's gospel just before the reading we've, we've heard is that this, this coming of Jesus, the Christ child, is located in a lengthy genealogy in Matthew. Matthew wants to, to, tell, to help us understand where Jesus came from. And so he does that by tracing back all of these many generations that led up to his coming. And so you can see, I've, I've pulled a couple of those verses out here. Right? He begins his gospel by saying, this is the genealogy. This is the record of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David. And then he goes through this, this long list of fathers and sons, beginning with Abraham, who was the father of Isaac, Isaac, who was the father of Jacob, Jacob, who was the father of Judah and his brothers. Right? And he goes on and he traces out more than 30 generations of this history. Until in verse 16, we come to a man named Joseph. What's interesting, if you look at verse 16, though, is that that long and carefully established pattern Matthew has, right, of, of a father and a son and a father and a son and a father and a son, is interrupted in this verse, right as we're coming to the culmination of his story. We're told that Joseph was a husband to Mary. We're told that Mary was a mother to Jesus the Christ. But Matthew piques our curiosity about what is Joseph's relationship to this child? How does he relate to the child God has sent to his people? Let me ask you to ponder that same question this morning. How do you relate to the child, the Son of God, sent to be with God's people? What is your relationship? I want to look at specifically how Joseph walks through coming to terms with that question. How is he related to this child? In verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. When I was a kid, we used to watch music videos on TV. And one of the programs that they had, there was MTV, there was VH1, and VH1 had this show called Behind the Music, right? And as you watch the music video, there would be these things scrolling along the bottom of the screen, and they would tell you about how the music video was made, why the song was written, you know, all of these interesting details that were basically a backstory to the music, behind the music. Well, I like to think of this section of Matthew's gospel as a kind of behind the nativity concept, right? We're getting the backstory before Jesus arrives, right? As God is, is setting all of this up. And Matthew tells us that from the very beginning of this story, 
right? The, the primary actors that God has appointed to be part of this, this great work of revelation and salvation, they actually have already made other plans. Told here in verse 18, Mary and Joseph, right? They were pledged to be married, which means they were betrothed to one another. They're a, a newly engaged couple, essentially. Right? They've, they've probably got a wedding date fixed on the calendar. Joseph is probably hard at work getting things ready in his, his familial home to, to prepare to bring Mary into it. They're dreaming about their future together as a young couple. And in all of that planning and imagining, we're told in the middle of verse 18, this sort of bombshell lands. But before they came together, before they got to that date that everyone had circled on the calendar and their, their new lives could begin, right? all those future plans are now getting unscripted. And they're getting unscripted because it says, before they came together, Mary was found to be pregnant. Mary was not only found to be pregnant, but Joseph knows that he is not the father of Mary's child. And so immediately this, this brings that question that Matthew has been asking in the genealogy to bear for Joseph, right? How do I relate? How will I relate to this child? What's that going to be like? What's, what's that future going to be like? And so we're told that Joseph begins to ponder what he should do. And being someone who is upright but also compassionate, he decides that in the quietest way possible, he will separate. He will undo all of those plans, right? That he will divorce Mary and start, start a new life on his own, apart from her and this child. Because this, this birth was unsettling. To Joseph. We imagine all sorts of things during the Christmas season and, and what it's like for God to come to be with his people. And we light candles and we sing carols, right? And we, we pray that God would bring things like peace and joy and light and love. And those are all things that are as they should be, right? That is the, the long view, the, the great picture that this child aims to bring. But there's also maybe another dimension to Advent that we don't always make space for, and that's that the coming of God to us is more often than not unsettling, like it is to Joseph here. Maybe we need another Sunday in Advent, another candle, right, that, that we light and we say, this week is the week we celebrate the unexpected, right, the unsettling the disturbing, right, part of God coming to be with us. Maybe, maybe that would be appropriate. Because when Jesus comes to us, when he comes into our lives, when he gets closer, as we would pray that he would, it doesn't always make things easier. In fact, if you were to, to survey the scriptures, and when they speak of the coming of God, which is what we, we talk about at Advent and at Christmas. Scripture almost seems to prefer unsettling language to talk about that coming. 
right? The prophet Malachi asks, who can abide? Who could stand the day of the Lord's coming? Because he comes like a refiner's fire. Jesus would say that the Son of Man, when he comes again, will be like a thief in the night. There will be great alarm and surprise at his coming. The coming of the Son of Man, Jesus says, will be like a lightning strike in the sky. And so here at stage one of Joseph's relationship with this child's coming, he is deeply unsettled. And so if, if your life today is, is a little bit like that, if you are feeling unsettled, chaosy, maybe Advent hasn't been all peace and joy for you this year, then maybe you can relate to Joseph. Or maybe like Joseph, you have your own questions about how you relate to this story of God's sending his son. How believable is it? How credible is it? What do I do with it? That's where Joseph begins. We're told that as Joseph continues, verse 20, after Joseph had time to consider this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And he said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. If stage one of Jesus coming to us can be unsettling, stage two, I think, is, is about the reordering of our lives in that unsettled state. I don't think God likes to unsettle us just to make us anxious or, or to disturb us. But I think it's kind of like when you decide to deep clean at home and you're going to clean out a closet or reorganize a bedroom. I, I hate that kind of cleaning because even though I'm a person who likes order and have everything in its place, right? when you decide that something really needs to be redone, you have to throw it out on the floor. Right? There's stuff everywhere you know, clothes and shoes and boxes. And usually, right, your, your house has to get messier before it gets cleaner when that kind of reorganizing is taking place. I think Matthew's idea here is that as Jesus the Son comes to us, there's reorganizing, there's, there's redoing, there's, there's resetting that has to take place. And in fact, when he talks about Jesus' birth in verse 18, he uses the word Genesis in Greek. Jesus' coming is going to be like a new Genesis. It's going to be like returning back to the very beginning of this story, Genesis 1, where there was chaos and darkness. But God entered into that chaos and darkness to bring new order, to bring goodness, to bring life. And so the angel comes to tell Joseph, that what is conceived of in Mary is from the Spirit of God. It was conceived in her by the same Spirit that hovered over the waters in Genesis 1 to bring new life and order. What's tricky, though, is that Joseph had assumed that the, the arrival of this child, the birth of Jesus, before they came together in marriage, would be shameful. 
right? That, that the coming of that child would, would be a kind of exposing of his name and her name to this sort of secret sin of some infidelity. And so as Joseph is thinking about the coming of this child, all he can see is what sin will spoil, what it will undo and what it will ruin in his relationship and future with Mary. But quite to the contrary, the angel says to Joseph when he comes. He speaks into these fears and these, these worries about being shamed and about the power of sin to destroy. And instead, he tells Joseph, if you bring Mary and if you bring her child into your home, rather than bringing sin upon your household, you will instead be welcoming salvation into it. She will give birth to a son. You will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The angel tells Joseph and Mary that he will save them from all that sin would ruin. The angel tells us that when Jesus is welcomed into our homes, his desire is to reorder and recreate our lives, to rejoin the things that, that we would tear apart, and to start a new beginning so that we could walk, as we heard in that, that reading from Jonathan, walk in the garden unashamed with our maker. Stage two in Joseph's relationship with this child is this beginning to see that Jesus brings a new beginning. What has sin ruined or destroyed or threatened in your life? And how might God's coming to you be a chance to reset, to reorder, to recreate? Finally, I want to look at the, the last stage of this passage. It says, all of this took place, this turmoil, this encounter with the angel, this dream, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah, that a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel commanded him, and he took Mary home to be his wife. Matthew, as the gospel writer, right, he receives this tradition, this understanding that Jesus, when he came, was born in this incredible and miraculous way, that, that Mary's conception was a virginal conception. And as he's telling that story, he can't help but tie us back connect the dots back to the prophet Isaiah. Centuries before, in a very different context, speaking into a very different situation in which God's people were deeply unsettled and unsure. And how God sent a son at that time to be a sign to them that Isaiah spoke of. In the same way, he says, God conceived in a miraculous way in Mary to send a son into this deeply unsettled situation. 
so that not only Joseph and Mary, but that all people might know God with us. God Emmanuel. And when it's all said and done, I'd say it's, it's probably harder to summarize the gospel more concisely than that name. Right? Emmanuel. Salvation is life with God. That's the point. That is why Jesus comes. There's a, a pastor named Sky Jathani. He's written a book called With. And he talks about how we can make and, and reconstruct sort of religion and relationship with God to be all different sorts of things. And he uses prepositions or postures that we, we do this with. Right? Some of us believe that faith is about life for God. That what God's interested in is, is all the things we need to do or can do for his name. Some of us believe that, that our relationship with God is about life under God. And that what's most important is, is getting the boundaries and contours of that relationship right and living within them and then, then God will bless us or God will, will show his favor to us. Others of us will see that relationship as life from God. God gives us a start and, and we're to make our own way independent of him. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is not about those particular prepositions and postures. At its core, it's about life with God. It's not about what God does to us. It's not a transaction. It's not just a status applied to us. Salvation is the condition of being with God. Of living our lives in his presence. In communion with him. The gospel is about a chance to live life with God. So we have been given a child who is named Emmanuel. As we continue to hear these carols and lessons, let me ask you, how do you relate to that child? Will you welcome him and bring him into your home so that you might know God with you?